2: As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't.
0: This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Friday, the 19th day of August at the Year of Our Lord 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and somewhere between iconic and psychotic, the fan favorite, Marty Foster.
2: Marty, how are you? What's going to do with you? No, I'm fine, mate. Cheers. <laughs> I'm trying you. to rack my brains for something new to say, so I just went with that. Yeah, I'm good, mate. Hi, Bruce. How you doing, buddy?
0: Yeah, healthy and alive as usual. So, uh, Marty, how was, your, uh, how was your weekend last weekend? You, uh, you had a chance to uh, to school some woke
2: children. how How did that go? well, it it was good because my new knees worked. I did actually manage to run a little bit towards the um live action role play melee uh, a couple of times, but all my other bits have started to ache, so uh, I've been moving around like a 90 year old for the last couple of days. Such fun. I'm very sorry to but the, hear that. The week, well, the, the weekend was good. I didn't enjoy it quite as much as I did the last time that I've, I, I went because the, um, the site was in the woods and fields and they were tinderbox dry, I've got to admit. We couldn't have our campfire right outside our in-character tent. So um, the long night of drinking and singing by the fire just didn't happen. I'm terribly sorry to hear that. Trying to sleep on a metal-framed camp bed while sober is difficult. Whereas if you just fall unconscious onto it, drunk as a lord, it works.
0: And technically, it's, it's interesting you bring that up. Technically,
2: you are a lord, are you not? Yeah, someone very dear to me bought two square meters of Scotland, so I am entitled to call myself lord. They also got themselves two square meters of Scotland so they can call themselves lady. And we've got our own tartan. I've got the tie. I haven't got a full kilt. They're far too expensive. But that bit me on the arse because... I thought you got free
0: home- accommodations and free upgrades on your flights and things like that when you were out in, in the, uh, the Middle You'd East. You'd like to think
2: so, wouldn't you? You'd like to think so. However, the last time that I flew to Saudi Arabia uh, to start a new job, this individual who had mm-hmm. bought me the title applied for the tickets under my name of Lord Marty Foster. And when I got to the airport security, I think they were after a bribe, but they were questioning because on my passport, it didn't say that, it didn't say Lord. Is this your first name or What what is this? Said, no, no, no. Look, and I had to, actually, I had the certificate with me because I had a load of stuff <laughs> in my bag and I showed them, you know, my, my deeds to my two square meters of Scotland. Uh, and, uh, and they let me go because I, I, they clearly realized they weren't going to get any money out of me.
0: Well, I'm terribly sorry to hear about the, uh, to hear about your weekend. I do want you to know how deeply hurt I am, but perhaps there could have been a way to allow you to experience these events that you wanted to experience. If only you would have had proper information sent to you before you decided to plan all of this stuff. Do you think that would have helped? Uh, No. No, sorry,
2: I have no idea what you were talking about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the UK government, I, I had to, I had to try and like lead up to it somehow. The UK government has launched a new emergency alert system that will be going online in October. Have you heard about this?
2: I can't say I have to teach you, you can't. No,
0: oh, you're going to love this. They released a uh, a promo video. Uh, it is out, uh, and it's been airing on government websites and on their Twitter feeds and Facebook feeds. And uh, I, I think that there's a couple of adverts that are on Sky News and BBC, of course, to go along with it, in uh, the Commons channel as well. But uh, this is set to be targeting 85% of mobile phone users across the uk they're going to target your phones specifically they're working with the telecom companies you're not going to be able to turn it off i mean we kind of knew this was coming so um this is uh this is the advert uh and i i'm assuming that you're going to be clicked off there because i know you're probably going to be laughing at just how ridiculous this is
3: You won't always be aware of dangers as they happen. That's why there's now a way to warn you when there's a danger to your life, health or property in the area you're located. An emergency alert sends an urgent and distinctive siren-like sound to your mobile phone. It looks like this and sounds like this, appearing on your screen until you acknowledge it. If you receive an emergency alert, you should stop what you're doing. Read the alert, if it's safe to do so, and do what it says. Emergency alerts are trusted. They will only ever be sent by the emergency services or the government. They send the same message to all compatible phones within an area of risk. So they don't use your phone number, collect data, or track your movements. You don't need to register (laughs) or download an app and they're completely free to receive. The technology has already been used successfully in many other countries, helping to save lives from floods, acts of terrorism, and fires. In future, emergency alerts could help save lives from threats in the UK. Please make sure you keep your device software up to date so that in the unlikely event you need to receive one, you're ready to act. All emergency alerts will also be listed on gov.uk forward slash alerts so you can easily check that it's genuine. Emergency alerts, our way to warn you when lives are in danger.
2: You see, Marty, wouldn't that have helped? Wouldn't that have helped? Um, no, because I would have still done it anyway. Uh, back back in the day, uh Second World War, for instance, you had the ARP, the Air Raid Patrol, uh-huh. and obviously they were in communication to the people on, on the coast. Uh They had big listening stations. We had radar, but we didn't tell you pesky Germans about it. And, and we knew when attacks were coming in, and they would operate uh, a hand-cranked Air Raid siren. And those in some places still it still exists for instance um there's there's a rather famous mental hospital quite near sandhurst military academy and when or if one of the um inmates escapes they sound a siren and everyone is told to stay in their houses and they practice this siren once a week at ten thirty on a wednesday and i was in the town uh when this siren went off, and I had no idea what it was all about. And I thought I looked up and expecting to see Stukas and Dorniers and Heinkels, but there there was in fact nothing to see. It was just a test. Look, the, the fact is that um it's just another tool to ramp up fear. Somehow, um, everyone stopping what they're doing at any given time is going to be beneficial in, in some way to breaking economies to making workplaces less less productive i'm a bit dumbfounded actually as 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 to where they think they're going with that one thing i did find very interesting and forgive me listeners this is not meant to be xenophobic but in this country we are 14% black asian middle eastern the guess who frame in that video where you had all those different people looking at their phone it was it was you know, drawn. Uh, you can clearly see from that that they think we're about sixty percent BAME rather than fourteen percent, and it's it's just one more piece of propaganda. TV is the same. The news is the same. All the the BBC news channels, the ITV news channels. If you look, the the level of fear they're promoting, the cross population representation is out of kilter that's what i'm really trying to say i'm not trying to have a dig at any race creed or color i'm just saying we are being given deliberately a false impression of how dangerous life actually is at the moment and we are being given a false impression of of what our uh ethnic diversity is in this country. Well,
0: with that being said, you kind of put me in a quandary here. Which way do we go now because I have I have topics to go down on or to go down both of those roads. Do you want to talk about since you bring that up and do you want to immediately transition into the RAF and the ads that they're putting out now or do you want to come back to that later and go into uh, we've got climate change stuff. To, uh, all the agendas are in play today. So that is in play today. Uh we're, we're going to talk about, hopefully, we're going to talk about some of what they're doing now in theater. So that is in play today. A lot of the wokeness is now getting into that, uh, into the Shakespearean uh, stuff. You know, we're, we're going to get down into that. And then um, I've got climate change stuff and I've got COVID stuff. So which way do you want to go? Let's talk about the RAF. Okay, to begin with. All right, out of Sky News, the RI this is Sky News is is reporting this. The RAF pauses jobs for white men because they say that it will be impossible for them to meet their diversity targets
2: if they don't. Yeah. And if you well, I've had the privilege of seeing their their TV and social media adverts for new recruits in, into the Royal Air Force. And looking at the adverts, they are definitely aimed at Black and Middle Eastern and Asian women. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. Everyone should be able to do whatever job they want to do. I I fully believe that. However, there are consequences to diversity. And when they make things so diverse uh, that they have to use positive discrimination to achieve it. What they actually do is they undermine the fabric of society. I'm not going to apologize for that statement. That's exactly what they're doing. The jobs in in our military used to go to young men who maybe didn't do so well at school because, let's face it, education is wasted on the young. But through military service and training, became responsible, properly educated and experienced adults who then go on to support families part of the plan is to undermine the nuclear family because that's your support network. They don't want us to have a support network. They want us to be stood ready to accept whatever our government, elected or unelected, tells us is the right thing to do, which links back into the alarm. I grew up um expecting the 4-minute warning to go off. Most of my, you know, youth, I expected there to be some kind of um, nuclear exchange between us and, and, and the USSR. That's that's a fear I grew up with, uh, and maybe I'm no longer fearful of it. Which is why I find this this new app so ridiculous. But yeah, the the RAF. Um, you know, every, the way everything is becoming automated, the way things are being done within the in the military. You don't need to be six foot four, 250 pounds and rippling muscles. You need to have an agile brain more than an agile body. Uh, And so there is no doubt in my mind that the people that they're aiming the adverts, the recruitment drive at, are more than capable of fulfilling those roles. But there is a consequence to that. And that consequence I covered earlier, which is it undermines... Uh, fabric of our society the mum the dad the kids so on but so many other things are doing that at the moment as well so many other parts of the agenda are being pushed and this has two 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 functions one is it advantages because remember positive discrimination is still discrimination it advantages one group over another and it also um cuts down the number of people who feel that they can have children because they haven't got the job. They haven't got the education. They haven't got the house. They haven't got the support network. So that's what I see happening. And I may be I may be totally wrong, but I don't think I am.
0: No, I, I don't think you are either. Um, and quite frankly, I, I, I agree with you on pretty much everything you said. And also the fact that, yes, we're throwing out meritocracy. That's being tossed out everywhere across the Western world. It doesn't matter now what you're qualified to do. They don't care about that anymore. If you look at what is in the plan with the, uh, the Great Reset with Klaus Schwab, they don't care about what you're qualified to do anymore because there are no longer going to be things such as shareholders. You don't have a say anymore. It's stakeholders and they are going to pick the winners and losers. They specifically say that in their working paper about what they're going to do on this corporate restructuring. You're not going to be a part of that anymore. So it doesn't matter if you're qualified or not, because you don't have a say. And it's the same thing across the board, because as you said, this agenda gets applied everywhere. You're not the only one. General Sir Patrick Sanders, uh, head of the army, has likened today's security challenges to those in the buildup of the Second World War, warning that the UK is facing its 1937 moment. Since you mentioned going back to the Second World War, this is what a source said. They just say a source. They don't mention who it is. They say, then you look at the head of the RAF, and he's prepared to break the operational requirement of the Air Force just to meet diversity targets. He says, I think he needs to be hauled up by the Ministry of Defense and told, this is the defense agenda. Get
2: on it. His direction is coming from the Ministry of Defense and their direction is coming from our government so unless he wants a very uh, you know a, a shortened career and get straight into that pension he's he'll do as his bloody his he's bloody told he's going to go spend time with his family yeah yeah that's what that's what they do isn't it but he won't go and spend time with with his family he's he's a man who's probably spent 35 to 40 years to get to where he is and he wants a little bit of time at the top so he's going to tug his forelock and be a good little chap and uh, just do what the puppet politicians are telling him to do.
0: Okay. Um, so, all right, we've covered that. Uh, which way you want to go next? Uh, we've got, uh, again, we can go down the road of theater. We can go, I, we probably want to leave that one to the end. I've got a couple of your former prime ministers. They're back out in the news. Uh, we can go down the climate change road. We can go down uh, the COVID road. Which way you
2: want to go? Um, I, I find it oppressive that you keep, Giving me choices. um well, I'm sorry. I may have I, I'm to very speak to my counselor about it. Okay, fine, um, fine. I will choose for you. Oh,
0: you, pick, will... you pick the next one. I okay. pick the RAF. You All right. We talked next. last week about Matt Hancock. Do you remember the uh, the clip that we played him? He was at Mont Blanc and oh, the uh Matt Hancock, the yeah, yeah, yeah. the
2: um, geologist, uh, yes. naturist yes. mountain yes. expert. Yes, that's doesn't the one. know that on south sides of mountains you don't get glaciers. Yes, that
0: one. And, and the dried up riverbeds with lush green going all up and down. it, you know, that that of yeah. Yeah, he does. And, the, realize and the,
2: the torrenting rivers on the other side of the mountain that yes. had some snowmelt. Yeah. Yes.
0: Um, he's yeah, also now. Frick? Yeah. He's a former health minister. He's also back lobbying for a um, uh, for a new thing uh, in the UK. Uh, and he tweeted this just earlier this week. He says, for 50 years, we've had a legal choice over who to love. For a decade, we've had a legal choice over who we can marry. I'm calling for a parliamentary inquiry and free vote on assisted dying.
2: Okay. Well, he's just jumping on every bandwagon going, isn't he? He, he is. He's, he's, he is. He's a moving and buffet. Go- of- and
0: you might you might think, what? Well, why? Why am I bringing this up? Well, it goes to reason. We're going to roll into the next thing past this. But former government official out calling for. Part of the same agenda, right? Because this whole overpopulation thing and this great reset—that's all kind of rolled into one, right? So they've got to hit you from every angle. So there's got to be assisted suicide. The Dutch are are doing things now. The Swiss have this new suicide pod, I think, uh, that you can climb yeah. into. It's just insane. Hancock is doing the climate change thing last week. This week he's lobbying for assisted suicide using the power of the state. Well, at least that's what it seems like, doesn't it?
2: I just think he's clutching at straws, trying to get as much. Um you know, airtime, screen time as as possible. The, yeah. the subject itself of assisted suicide is one that I've given a great deal of thought about. And it's, it's wrong that someone has to, to, I believe anyway, it's wrong that someone has to travel so that they can put themselves out of their own misery. It has to be one of the hardest things to come to terms with and do. But because it's such a a minefield, you know, is the person really that sick? Have they absolutely no quality of life? Is there nothing we can do, uh, or their their support network can do that is better than them taking their own lives? Until you answer all of those questions, the the you know the act shouldn't take place. And mm-hmm. you know, if, if they all come back as no, mm-hmm. um, I know on religious grounds. There'll be millions of people around the world who say no, it's a sin. But there's also many other cultures and many other religions in which it's not a sin. So it it's a it's a tough one for me to really talk about, despite the fact that I've given it a lot of thought. <laughs> but I will say, Matt Hancock is just a media junkie, and the way he, in which he left government because mm-hmm. he was snogging his aide and or one of his his staffers was. The rest of us were locked down and and only being able to be uh-huh. with our bubble. Yeah, and I um, want to know.
0: I want to know who put those cameras in his office. That's what I want to know. Looking right out the door where that happened.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they stitched him up. He got burned, yeah. and now uh-huh. and and he probably didn't get burnt as much as he should have got burnt, which is why he's still towing the line. Perhaps, perhaps that's it. It's like okay, we'll let you back in the fold, but you've got to do some really dodgy pieces to camera well first of all you can go and walk around mont blanc and tell everybody that the the um the glaciers are, are melting and then and then you've got to be on the side of assisted suicide so that will at least make you really unpopular with perhaps two-thirds to half of the population of the world so um so yeah i reckon he's been given a choice and, and a few little dirty jobs to do
0: hmm That's usually what happens with uh, the former uh, ministers, right? rather prime ministers or health ministers or any government ministers. They usually get tasked with some menial thing, go out and carry this agenda because people know who you are and that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I've been kind of sitting over here just kind of laughing a little bit on my my own here because you can't see what I'm about to show you. And quite frankly, I'm tired of looking at it. But when you think of just horrible people within the UK government uh, that have had that job and then there are now they're now back uh, promoting a new agenda. I mean, does this look like a man?
2: I knew it was going to be him. This- <laughs> I knew it was going to be Tony Blair. Does this
0: look like a face of a man that would lie to you, Marty?
2: Uh, what does he look like?
0: <laughs> he looks like it looks like a like a this photo. I don't. I don't
2: know. It's just bad. He looks, he looks like, like a, someone a who would try from- and borrow money from you in a pub <laughs> to buy drugs. Uh, you know, a sixty plus just- year old junkie. Um, who who's perhaps just got out of rehab um, and uh, is looking to score, but hasn't got any cash. That's what he looks like. And as far as credibility is concerned, um, he's got about as much credibility. In fact, he's got less credibility. In fact, I'd rather sit next to the junkie than Tony Blair. That is true. That is true. Well, he's back uh, this week. He's got a new
0: working paper out. Uh, his think tank uh, put it out, and it is... Prepare to bring back masks and uh, on public transport and give every adult another COVID booster. Uh, he's called for a return of the uh, mask mandate on, public tra- on all public transport. And he is also saying that we need to push out these new vaccines in the UK immediately. We've got a clip of Dr. Hillary Jones coming up here in just a moment. His new working paper, and see if this sounds familiar, his new working paper is entitled Three Months to Save the NHS. Where have we heard that
2: before? Oh, well, we've heard it several times from Boris, you know, just two weeks to flatten the curve and yep. um, and all the rest of it. But it's funny you should say that because I, a while back when people were on Fastbook, putting those banners around their, their profile pitch, pictures, yeah, vaccinated said, banner, I've yeah. had my COVID jab. I put a message out to everybody and said, um, I'm sorry, but I'm about to delete several of you because, you know, you've still got this ridiculous propaganda banner up. Um, And one of the people got really upset and refused to talk to me any further. But he's just reconnected. And it annoyed me to a certain extent, because I think he's woken up. But he hasn't said it. He hasn't come out and actually said that he's woken up. So I I wrote a poem, which I, I put into our Telegram page, although actually the one on Telegram needs a few edits. I, I don't know. Would Would you like me to read it now? Yeah, go on. Yeah, go ahead. All right, just let me find it. One moment. Here it is. Uh, and bear in mind, it's it's all all of my verse is always uh, written in a Norfolk accent, so that helps the reader understand uh, the rhythm. So I'm not having a go at anyone precisely. I'm just writing down my thoughts and trying to put it nicely. You've obediently rolled up your sleeves for the jab to take you are still catching it and spreading it so the flipping jabs are fake you were sucked in by the narrative on the bbc and sky it convinced you that if you didn't do it you would likely die the collection of government advisers who fittingly they called sage weren't as wise as their name suggests, so it's time to turn the page. The fact that more than half of them were shrinks, not medical docs, should have tipped you off that their advice was as dumb as rocks. The wearing of those masks was really bloody dense. It's like throwing gravel at a chain link fence. Dehumanising facial garb, breeding exhaled bugs, paper held to your mush by elastic, giving you sore lugs. It at least gave us all a laugh when some they went too far, wearing multiple layers whilst driving solo in their car. As for social distancing and the washing of your mitts, it broke down your immune response and left it all in bits. We've lurched from each catastrophe, media guided by the nose. Now it's oil and energy and how the climate goes. You call me a theorist prefixed with conspiracy. I call you an ovine fool who simply will not see. What's happening is an agenda that for us is just not good. A great reset is being played out, a reverse of Robin Hood. The ultra-rich don't need us all. Now they can automate. But they want your wealth and your land and your sovereign state. It's a move to global government assisted by a virus. War, famine, pestilence and plague to permanently retire us. Up till now your conscience told you that you should be compliant. I'm telling you it's done for us unless you become defiant. There you go. And by the way, the word "lugs" is is a local colloquialism from Norfolk, meaning ears. Just in case anyone didn't didn't realize, I kind of caught that.
0: Yeah, it took me a second when I first read it, and I thought, okay. But I'd actually I called you on the phone the other day, and you'd only gotten the first sentence out of it, uh, and you came up with the rest of it pretty quickly. So you must have a very creative
2: mind when it comes to your poetry writing. I I don't I don't accept your flattery. But um, no, most of my poems take around about twenty minutes to write. That's why I have to go back and edit, especially if I'm typing it into a phone because no one. T- I I I don't have any of my PCs with Fastbook on, and the only reason I'm still with Fastbook is is because there's people around the world that. That's the only way we stay in contact, and so it was quite annoying when I kept winding, winding up in Fastbook prison, which I had done a few times. But yeah, I I, th- I think these. When you write something like that, it's it's meant as funny, amusing, but informative, and it has to be to to keep its what's the word to, to, to be natural, it has to be written quickly. so yeah, something like that probably took me 25 minutes to write tops.
0: Well, I think it turned out very well. As soon as I read it, Bruce and I were reading it last night and we were laughing at it uh, just because of the way that you eloquently put it. Uh, it's the truth. It, you, you, took, you took the agenda and you rolled it out there in, in a form of a, uh, a poetry and, and, and a poem and it, it turned out really well. So uh, I have to commend you on
2: Well, I don't know if you can hear that motorbike going past. I do apologize. Thanks for that. There is so much more I could have included, but that would have gone over, over its intended audience's head a lot of the time. I just thought I'd stick to a couple of points about mask wearing. Um, to mm. get back to the piece that we're talking about, Tony Blair insisting on masks. He can wear one if he likes. As for the rest of us, we can use our common sense and realize that it absolutely makes no difference whatsoever other than make people more sick from their own exhaled bugs. There's a reason they're being exhaled. You know, all the, all the micro bacteria and stuff that that we we breathe out we breathe it out for a reason and when you come into contact with somebody else's miasma those are little tiny antigens that you are getting used to and your immune system is triggered by them and it fights them off uh, and it learns to be strong and and to identify foreign bodies from antigens that are naturally occurring but all the social distancing all of the mask wearing And then this ridiculous fine-tuning of our immune system through the vaccines, I don't like to use the word vaccine, has weakened our immune systems. There is no doubt in my mind about that. I'm not a medical expert. I'm just going by all of the data that we've received, all of my personal experience looking around me at people that are suddenly becoming ill at the drop of a hat, and not with COVID, but with other things. So, yeah, Tony Blair can we're at one bleep
0: today already. That's great. Uh, millions of people are on waiting lists while A and E waiting times are at near an all time high. You were talking about that a couple of weeks ago, according to the Tony Blair Institute, in a new working paper that they just released, which Tony Blair himself endorsed, a panel of doctors and other experts warn, and I'm quoting from the paper, this winter will bring a perfect storm resulting in unprecedented demand and reduced capacity, which will combine to create the worst winter crisis in the NHS's history. They're building that fear back up. The Irish Times released a story the other day, a headline story from them that said, if we don't start looking at, at vaccinating people now, we're going to have 85,000 dead. They're already ramping that fear back up. It's getting to that point. There is a new bivalent vaccine that is said to cover Omicron, I'm doing the air quotes here, Omicron, and the original strain of COVID. And uh, TV doctor Hillary, excuse me,
4: Hillary Jones was on Good Morning Britain talking about just that. Let's hear it. 26 million people who will be eligible for the autumn booster campaign, but there will only probably be about 13 million doses of the new Moderna vaccine, the bivalent vaccine, available um, between now and Christmas. So uh, what the Joint Committee of Vaccination and Immunisation is proposing is that the over 50s and other age groups um, will get the Moderna uh, vaccine and uh, people under 18 will continue to get the Pfizer vaccine. Now, both give really good protection and have saved lives, the Moderna has marginally better immune response against both of the uh, of the current um, variants that we're seeing, the original strain of COVID and the, um, and the mutated Omicron uh, variety. So it's good news. Uh, the first time we've got a bivalent vaccine, it's effective against both strains. And I suppose the holy grail is that we eventually get a, a universal vaccine which, which combats all strains of COVID. I mean, that would be the holy grail. Very difficult to do that. It took us years... Years and years to get vaccines that um, fight against all uh, types of meningitis. And we'll probably have the same sort of fight to, to challenge to to find a, a universal vaccine. But to have a bivalent vaccine is a really good step forward. As the the chief executive of the MHRA has said, it's a sharp... This cop one will go on
2: much longer. <laughs> no, he's just finished. <laughs> oh, Sorry, I was just having images of doing all kinds of mean and nasty things to him. Um, he can
0: hardly uh, contain his glee for the uh, the new product that he's probably got investments in that he's out there
2: pushing. Yeah, yeah. Always just being told to because I'm pretty sure he's got they've got some dirt on him. Otherwise, he, he would have been on the side of the rest of the scientists and doctors who have um, decried it. And what was that figure? I don't know if you're going to bring that up later, but that, that figure you gave me oh, in the UK... Yeah, we're talking um, about that with one in, tomorrow. Oh, OK,
0: well, I'll, it's I'll OK. You can talk. No, you can. No, you can talk about it. The figures, the facts and figures show out of the UK Office of National Statistics, one in 486 people that received a covid-19 vaccine between January of 2022 this year and May of 2022 this year, one out of 486, I'm pretty sure that's the number, I have to double check, it's it, it's right along there, died within 30 days. Those are horrific
2: numbers. Absolutely they, horrific they, numbers. They are horrific. Uh, and I said to you when you gave me that figure that you have to take into account that the people, the first group of people were the very senior citizens. 482. Um, I'm sorry, 482. 482, yeah. So there there would have been an expected number of deaths in that demographic. However, I would have expected those to be like one in 2,000, not one in 482. This is across, um, just so you're aware, this is across all age groups. Yeah, but already the actual truth has been re-revealed because it was known right from the start that preventative measures such as increasing your vitamin C intake Antioxidants and other things that you can get from berries and fruit and those, the, the, those kind of things just improve your diet. You don't need another jab in the arm. The message should be: eat more healthy, live a healthier lifestyle. I know that sounds rich coming from me, but that should be the message. Not roll your sleeve up again and have another experimental um, gene therapy shoved into you. Uh, and uh, yeah. I mean, there was so much concern about the Delta variant, um, and when they started giving them countries' names, the countries got all bent out of shape. The, was there a no, Brazilian they didn't. One?
0: no, they didn't. They didn't get bent out of shape. The only people that got bent out of shape were the people at the World Health Organization. All right.
2: So, go, Bruce. So, uh,
5: I, I just want to jump in and talk about the vaccine uh, for a second. Uh, he, he's pushing the, <laughs> you don't want to get people jabbed, which the next new one is uh, monkeypox, you know, and they, they've been pushing that. Monkeypox. That vaccination they're using, the first one they came out with, which they said they could use for it, was the smallpox one. That smallpox one was made in early two thousands. Okay, it did not have any kind of testing or authorization. This one is less tested than the COVID nineteen vaccine. Now, interesting note about this one: it has all the same kind of side effects that this COVID nineteen vaccination had. In other words, this thing is. Far more dangerous than monkeypox itself, uh, especially this new strain of monkeypox, which isn't it interesting? We have a new strain of monkeypox that's out that's far less deadly than the original and uh, supposedly is more uh, virulent. Um, but anyway, the, um, the vaccines they've been giving us here lately, or presenting to us anyway, have all been, um, well, let's just say of the variety of depopulation. That's more the focus than
2: actually trying to cure a disease. You know, um, that's a very interesting point you make there. But um, one of the reasons we went to um, a smaller caliber than uh, 303, which was in the Lee-Enfield rifle, down to 7.62 and then subsequently down to 5.56. One of the reasons is that those rounds are more likely to wound than kill. So if I got hit in the hand with uh, a 303 Lee-Enfield round, it would rip my arm off at the shoulder and there would be a sudden hydraulic shock due to the blood loss and I would die. If I got hit in the hand with a 5.56, it would still really mess me up. But I then become someone who has to be taken care of and that puts more pressure onto uh, the, the the whole organisation. So rather than have develop a deadly virus that will kill you dead as soon as you've caught it, something that will just make you a little bit sick, give you a few really ugly rashes, is far more scary because it suddenly means that whole sections of the hospital have to go into isolation. Doctors and nurses have to wear full PPE, including breathing apparatus, to go anywhere near you in these highly infectious uh, situations. So it doesn't surprise me at all that that kind of tactic is being used by The people in those bio-research labs in China, in Wuhan, and probably in Ukraine and other parts uh, of of the world where, quite frankly, American money is funding gain-of-function research. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's just like using a small caliber. Without
0: permission. We weren't asked or consulted about that. In fact, they kept it secret for the longest time.
2: Well, no. This is going back, and I'm sorry, I'm going to segue just in here for a second. This goes back to something that we were discussing in prep about um, reaching for the stars. You, You will not be asked permission by a global government about whether or not your tax money, your revenue, goes into those kind of functions. That's why I believe it's the only way it will ever be achieved, because the whole planet, the populace that's left will not have a choice about where the money's spent and how the money's spent. Mm -hmm. And likewise, they're already being that arrogant that they are doing that kind of thing without asking your permission, without even making it public, and they're just hoping that they can get away with it because they've dumbed us down enough. And thankfully, no. not all of us are as dumb as they think we are. No, no, we're certainly
0: not. Quite frankly, they're looking to uh, to carry that over into another part of the agenda. And the other part of the agenda is the approaching winter. Of course, we've been talking the last few days here about what is going on in the country of Germany with the energy crisis. I actually saw some Italian businesses that were showing uh, copies of their, uh, uh, their electricity bills between July of last year and July of this year. So, for example, I I posted one today. There's a business in Italy that runs a small resort on the beach, right? I mean, that's that's what they do. They rely on tourism. Last year at this time, they had an electricity bill of 128,000 euros. This year, 978,000 euros. How's that person
2: supposed to stay in business? They're not. They're not supposed to stay in business. Likewise, recently it was on the news. Now, our uncouth youth tend to go to places like Magaluf, Oh, and I know. I've go, been down there. And, the, the English, yeah, yeah. dear God. Well, they, they, they call it Shagaluf because because they just go to get drunk and have as much sex as possible. I know. I could barely um, get any sleep in my hotel room. I'm never staying at that hotel again. Well, you shouldn't have left your door open and given your room number to all those girls. But anyway, um, <laughs> they're now saying, oh, we, we've spent all this money on these beautiful resorts, and they're super comfortable, and they're, they're really posh and, and nice, and we're going to discourage the Brits coming over, they will lose. They they won't get the footfall that they had before. They might have beautiful resorts now and be very attractive to that number of people. But the people who could afford to go to those kind of resorts don't want to go to Magaluf because of its reputation. So they'll go somewhere else or they won't go anywhere at all because they they're having difficulty travelling. They, they they can't pass a, a PCR test or haven't had a jab or for whatever reason, yeah, they won't be travelling. So the idea is that they don't stay in business. So your question was, How do they stay in business? It was a answer. Question, Mark. It was well, a rhetorical that's question. We know,
0: we know they don't stay in business. We know they don't stay in business.
2: They, they, they simply can't stay in business. They, you're right. That was a rhetorical question. I apologize profusely for going on and you on. You are and on fine. And on about it.
0: You are fine. You bring up an interesting point because this is going to affect the UK just as much. I, I'm bringing this up because another former PM of yours, well, you guys got a lot of those. It's kind of hard to get a, a former president to come out and make a speech in the US, at least uh, until recently. But uh, you guys, you guys got a whole bunch of former PMs. The only person I haven't seen is, uh, well, I haven't seen Theresa May. I, I've seen her, but she's still a member of Parliament, so she's still in there. I haven't he seen is, David yeah. Cameron. They haven't wheeled him out yet. Uh, they tried to wheel him out for COVID, and it was largely rejected by people, so they just pulled him back off the uh, the trail there. But Gordon Brown, who was your Prime Minister uh, way back when, many, many years ago, oh, he's default.
2: out. He was never elected. He was a default Prime Minister. Uh-huh. Um, because, again, who who went? It was Blair that went and left Gordon Brown de facto in charge of the party. He was really spent most of his time as Chancellor. He's, he's a bean counter more than a, a leader, that's for certain. Yeah. And every, sorry, every time I hear the word Gordon Brown, in my head it goes texture like sun, as in golden brown, texture like sun by the Stranglers. But again, he he was a, such an ineffectual Chancellor. Deliberately, it, it would seem now that uh, he did nothing to to help our economy sorry it was labor party wasn't he was a labor prime minister not conservative he was yeah. and he was the one who left the note in the treasury saying we've spent all the money yeah yeah so not to be trusted not to be listened to he can stick his opinion up his well father there's another beep. he's also the one that was
0: uh, at the g20 last year and he says the g20 we're going to be the ones that are going to be deciding who lives and who dies uh, I do recall us playing that uh, that clip several times over. Yeah. But he is out yeah, this week. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he wrote an op-ed for The Guardian, and I'm going to go over what he covered in there. The energy prices in the UK are skyrocketing, just as they're skyrocketing across Europe and the United States. He wrote that the energy cap on electricity bills needs to be removed before it's updated later this month, and energy firms' windfall profits and bonuses have to be properly taxed now before the money flees the country. He says the government should pause any further increase in the cap, assess the actual costs of the energy supplies being sold to consumers by the major companies, and after reviewing the profit margins and examining how to make standing changes— and social tariffs more progressive, negotiate separate company agreements to keep prices down. He says if any of the energy companies failed to comply with these requirements, he went on to say, that they have to be nationalized as a last resort until the crisis is over. Of course, we know the crisis is never going to end. So he's essentially calling for a complete nationalization of your entire
2: energy sector. I don't ever want to be accused of hypocrisy, because to me, it's one of the worst things One of the worst character traits. And I don't know if you recall, I'm sure it was in a podcast or it may have been in prep. We were talking about Comrade Corbyn and how that was one of his battle cries as well about nationalization. And I did say in that podcast that I don't think that any kind of utility should be for profit. Same as prisons should not be for profit. We need these things as as infrastructure. To let our society continue the way we want it to continue, and the laughable thing is that this lame duck prime minister has caused a situation where nothing will be decided until his, uh, you know, his relief, whoever takes over, um, is is elected. So the energy companies are having this wonderful time. Um charging a fortune for gas for electricity and the oil companies for petrol and diesel at a time where there's no shortage of fuel in this country and crude oil actually slumped in price so to a certain extent Gordon Brown texture like son is actually speaking some sense there, but of course he can do that from a position of no power whatsoever and it all, all it does is is a few people will be. Um, buoyed up by that so i know someone someone's speaking some sense and who knows in the future that that may go a long way to um to him coming back into politics in an official role rather than just as uh an op-ed piece for the what paper was it the guardian guardian we're told though that all of this has to be done
0: because of climate change Putin. right yeah Putin. Oh, well sorry Putin, yeah climate change. Putin and climate change. Putin and climate change. Well, Putin is responsible for climate change. I'm surprised they haven't pulled that one out yet. But I, I caught this earlier this week. This is on talk TV out of the UK. This is a physicist named Brian Cat, and he's discussing what's actually going on now. It's totally normal. This follows exactly what the trends are that we've seen before. And he references it back to when parts of England were actually a tropical environment, as in used to have hippos and uh, and elephants on the shores of the Thames. Like, how's, how's that possible if we don't actually have a constantly changing and constantly evolving climate on the planet? This is not something that's out of the ordinary. Yes, we're seeing droughts in places. Yes. But we have seen this stuff before, just like this warming thing that they're talking about. That is a natural cycle. We actually had something called the medieval warming period about 500 years ago. Take a look at it. We actually had the Scandinavian countries growing grapes and and types of citrus fruits up there because it was so warm that far north. I don't remember anything about some kind of a man-made climate change, industrial revolution, anything like that, fossil fuels, any of that stuff going on back then. I don't believe that it actually happened. Bruce, you want to say something before I play this clip?
5: Yeah. So just real quick on the um, you know droughts and climate change and all that. We also had like the, the Mayan culture and the Aztec just all of a sudden disappeared. And when you go back and look at like sediment and, you know, everything to see what happened, there was a massive drought that happened. The, the civilization died off because of lack of water. So it's almost like we have these words in our lexicon like drought because it's happened before, because we needed a word to define those things.
0: You're absolutely right. Uh, this is uh, physicist Brian Kapp.
5: I think we, we, look, we all accept we're in a
1: period of global warming, but a lot of people are, are panicking, aren't they? Um, uh,
6: yes. <laughs> are they right to panic? No. Um, they should relax, basically, um, simply because if they were to go and look at the natural history of the Earth, which has all been unravelled since these climate Myths were created by the UN, they'd find that actually what is happening now is almost totally normal. And the Earth, on the short term, forget ice ages, it's con- that's a confusing thing, but for the last 10,000 years, which is a short, warm period within an ice age cycle, it goes up and down about a degree at the equator, two degrees at the poles, about every thousand years. Um, and it's perfectly normal. And the rate of rise now, before people start, obviously people might phone in with this one, the rate of rise is not unusual either. It's about one degree in a century. And it goes up and down while it's, it can go up and down a degree while it's doing that. Yes. And that's a global average over 30 years. It's not the weather. So... So we've got on one side, we've got the
1: Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, we've got thousands of supposed experts,
6: all stuffing stuff into their models. Um, Why are they wrong? Um, Well, because their presumptions that they feed into their models are wrong, and I think we've talked (laughs) briefly about this, it's called GEIGO, garbage in, garbage out. That's the point. And one of the assumptions they put in is there's no natural change. So if the change that they assign to carbon dioxide is actually natural, there is no anomalous diff... uh, what's the word I want, additional change to be observed. So it's not actually happening. And there's a very good reason why that could be so. Stop me if you, you, which is that it's a very small effect, the greenhouse effect, within the overall parameters of the atmosphere. There are much bigger things at work, like the sun shining on it and the gravity pulling the atmosphere onto the ground, which basically sets what the temperature gradient, all this sort of stuff. But the control is from the oceans, the clouds control. The clouds are the control of Earth's climate stability. So, so, in a sense, you think that
1: people are panicking unnecessarily. Um, and we've been warming now for the last sort of 150 years or yep. so, yep. give or take, uh, since about 1850. There's something interesting about that, that period, isn't it? Tell, tell us
6: about that, because... It, why do they choose that point? Well, oh, that's because it's the lowest point. We are at one degree above the coldest it's been in the last 10,000 years. Which just, let's just repeat that. I mean, that's remarkable. And the other remarkable thing is it's two degrees cooler than the warmest it's been in the last 10,000 years, which so, is the Egyptian and the Minoan period. So this is really important, folks, because
1: this is data and uh, that uh, essentially... Uh, the ipcc they always talk about that we are uh, 1 degree higher than than the pre-industrialization period that 150 years ago but what you're saying Brian is that was the lowest point in the last 10,000 years correct so so in a sense that's why we shouldn't be panicking
6: and that it's been much warmer in in two or three previous periods yes and in the last interglacial which was 130,000 years ago, when the country is much, pretty much where it is now, about 50 degrees north from the equator, there were hippopotami and elephants on the banks of the River Thames. That, that, would, was six, that would be quite a sight now, wouldn't it? It would, it? and, and it's well known. This is natural history, and it's, it was six degrees warmer than it is now. And there were humans wandering around the place, presumably hunter-gathering happily. Um, we're a tropical species. Should we be panicking, gentlemen, or not? I tend to agree with uh,
0: the the good physicist here and say no, because those of us that have been screaming about natural change this entire time, we've been laughed at as conspiracy theorists.
2: One of the things that is concerning me, I, I, I really appreciate hearing that because it helps me to understand where we are and not get panicked by it because I can take that information on board. But one of the things that has concerned me, one of the things he said there is about how the clouds shape our weather, and indeed yeah. they do. But there are so many countries, particularly in the Gulf, that are seeding clouds and creating rain so that they can turn what has naturally been formed as a desert into lush vegetation for tourism. You know, Dubai, you drive down the highways in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, and you look left and right, and all you will see is green. 10, 20 yards behind that band of green down each road is desert, is big sand dunes. But those countries out there are seeding clouds all the time. And that has got to have an effect on how weather patterns, global weather patterns are actually working. Uh, And it has got to speed up that change. Again, I'm satisfied from what the good Physicists said there that we don't have anything to actually worry about. But some of the countries where we get our oil from, who have extreme power for no other reason than than a, an accident of geology, are messing things up a bit and no one is stopping them. The UN aren't crying out for them to stop. So, yeah, that's a, that's a great piece. And I'm glad someone has been on to say it. But I'm still concerned about things like cloud seeding. I don't share the same concern, and here, here's why.
5: As temperatures rise, one of the things that, that changes is, uh, okay, let's assume for a moment that uh, carbon dioxide is such a bad thing, like they were saying, okay? Uh, as temperatures rise, the ocean releases more of its uh, CO2 so even more co2 gets into the atmosphere eventually it's going to reach a point to where the uh, greenhouse gas effect that it's causing is going to reverse eventually it's going to it's going to come to the point to where the sunlight is going to be reflected and then the amount of co2 in the air is going to decrease because then it it returns back to the earth through precipitation or what have you this cycle it's going to balance itself out eventually anyway now taking into account that co2 is not the big factor here it's cloud cover and uh, sunlight. Okay. Now, again, it comes down to the more sunlight you have, the more heat that's uh, generated, the more energy, the more water is evaporated, the more cloud cover you get. Same with the increase in temperature. The more you increase the temperature, the more water is going to be evaporated. Then when there's more uh, water in the air, it reflects some of the light away from the earth. So there's this cycle. It's going to continue balancing itself. So even if we're seeding the clouds it's going to create temp- it's going to cause temperatures in those areas to rise but it's also going to cause more water to be evaporated so it's going to it'll it'll balance itself out so i i agree that we should take care of our our biosphere that we have this ecosystem but at the same time the biosystem is far more robust than we give it credit for we're not going to be i don't think uh i don't think humans and our well infinite ignorance, as it were, I don't think we have the capacity to really affect nature to the levels yet that would be catastrophic unless we went full bore, nuked each other, and we started doing stuff like that. Because if you you look at some of the events that happen, a hurricane, a hurricane is like many nukes going off at one time we can't even replicate that you would have to release your entire arsenal of nukes to to uh come up with the same amount of energy that's released in a hurricane this is a natural event that happens so uh, i mean there's there's a lot of things to our ecosystem that i I, I i don't think the average person understands and then when these these um alarmists come out and say oh we're we're causing climate change I, I agree that we're causing toxification. I don't agree that we're causing
2: climate change. That's a very good point and very well made, Bruce. But my actual concern is that whilst permission by non-action is, is given by the United Nations, for instance, and, and other global organizations to allow countries in the Middle East to cloud seed, the sociopath Gates has a plan to block out the sun doesn't he, uh, he and does, so yeah. and so you know it's like you might have a favorite child but if you tell your favorite if you don't tell your favorite child not to do something your red-haired stepchild which I think is a phrase you used the other day you're going to have to let them do it too so the red-haired stepchild that is Bill Gates could get leverage and momentum behind this this plan to uh block out the sun and I, 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 will, I will concede here real quick.
5: That is, that is a fair point because um, that is something that we should be really concerned about is by blocking more of the sunlight, you're going to have less of the CO2 be released from the oceans. When we reach a point, I think we're in the vicinity of like 400 parts per million right now of CO2 in the atmosphere if or, or carbon in general. Which is too um, low, actually. It's too low if you look at history. If we get to 150 parts per million... Congratulations, gang, that's an extinction event. That means life on Earth will cease to exist. Plants will die from lack of uh, nutrition. Uh, so you'll, you'll have to have special locations to grow the plants and like, special facilities that provide more uh, carbon. That is an extinction event. If he starts blocking out the sun in locations like this and that uh, CO2 is not allowed to be evaporated or, or we start reducing the amount that we, we produce and we stop this cycle uh, of more being released that could very well be an extinction event
0: no, you're right. And don't forget about the World Economic Forum's plan to put space bubbles up there to, uh, to block out everything in orbit as well. Uh, that's something that they released a couple of weeks ago. Unfortunately, we are out of time. We were actually over, uh, but that's okay. I, I know that we're going uh, to have to push the, uh, the theater thing to next week. I do apologize. But there's no time limit on that. Like The play is not going to start until October. So we have time to talk about that. But I wanted to leave you with this. Because you were concerned about the seeding of clouds, right? And it's good you brought that up. The physicist was talking about how the weather in London used to be. We started tonight with the new alert system that's going to be launched in the UK here in the coming months and how they're going to advise you of how to stay safe. Well, London Mayor Sadiq Khan already has a jump on things. He tweeted out this afternoon how to stay safe during a thunderstorm. Seek shelter indoors. If traveling by car, stay in your car. If you're in an open field away from shelter, get in the middle and crouch down. Marty, don't you feel safer already? If you go to London and you find yourself in a thunderstorm, can you take solace in the fact that the mayor himself is telling you how to stay safe?
2: If I was a Londoner, I'd feel extremely patronized, not reassured. Sadiq Khan has an opinion, but I I care not for any opinion that that man has. This is the uh, same guy that was launching a campaign
0: uh, on the London Transport, uh, on the tubes and, and, and in the uh, on the buses. Don't
2: stare at people. But they've also got uh, a phrase that they use on the trains and London Transport, which is, see it, say it, sort it. The reason people might stare at someone is, they look a bit iffy, he's sweating a bit, they look a bit dodgy, why has he got so many rucksacks? Is that a battery sticking out of the side of that rucksack? No, Sadiq Khan, I don't know why he's still where he is, other than the fact that we haven't really got anyone democratically elected anymore. It's it's all block votes and, and yep. fake elections. Yeah, well said, my friend. All right, we are going to have to go ahead and
0: jump out of here. Marty, I want to thank you for being here this evening. We'll see you next week, hopefully. Yes. Shock Ranges, Zealand. Yes, you will. Fantastic. For those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast.protonmail.com. At also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. Do you know someone you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Bruce and Marty, I want to thank you both for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday. Good night, man.